0: You're listening to the Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. The inside word on all things travel. Buckle up as we explore New Zealand. Take you abroad, dive into virtual travel, and inspire your bucket list with spectacular tips and tricks. We've got the world covered. Tune in on Apple's podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Be sure to like and share our podcast so everyone can enjoy the inside word on all things travel. And now, here's your host from Christchurch, New Zealand, Mike Yardley and
1: Chris Lynch.
2: Welcome aboard to a fresh edition of Kiwi Tripters. It's great to be here. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yadley. Very
1: good to be back with you.
2: Now, Mike reckons if you're looking for the dream road trip in New Zealand with a short and sweet hops along the way, the Wairarapa is the place to be. Now, why is that, Mike?
1: Well, I think it certainly is in the North Island because there are just so many fabulous destinations strung very close to each other. And you may recall a few episodes ago, we talked about Masterton and how it's such a family hit to go to Masterton. So I thought we'd stretch it out and talk about the wider upper regions, wider attractions.
2: Very good. Now, suppose you're leaving from Wellington. If you're heading over the Rimutaka hill by car, you would stop at Featherston. They've got good shops there. Great shops. I think the headliner is Say Cheese, which is
1: the most amazing fromage shop. Um, It was set up a few years ago by by um, Paul Broughton. Very entrepreneurial, and if you are into your cheese, you will notice fans flock to Say Cheese from all over, all over the country. One recent innovation that Paul has added to Say Cheese is a cheese bar where as it sounds like, it's sort of like a cheese restaurant. You can have the most amazing uh, cheese-tasting flights, or if you want something more substantial, you could have, for example, mushroom on cheese toast. And the way that this is done, it sort of blows up like a balloon in
2: front of you. Now, they actually produce their cheeses on site, don't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a huge range of New Zealand gourmet cheeses and also Paul's own creations. 10% of the cheeses sold at Say Cheese are under his label, Remedy. Tucker Pass Creamery. Uh, they've also got some of the regional drawers like Kingsmead and Drunken Nanny. And he's always evolving his offerings. Uh, so if you're after a great coffee stop, Paul's own brand of coffee, Rima Tucker Pass Coffee, is there as well, locally roasted.
2: Very good. When I asked, is there lots of Louis knickknack shops and, and gift stores, right? Yeah, right next door, uh, his wife, Sue,
1: runs the most whimsical, eclectic giftware stop uh, called Mr. Feather's Den. And if you are into your oddities and your curiosities, things like Taxidermy, for example, this place is just like a hive of discovery. If you have got someone who is hard to buy for, this is the place to go, Mr. Feather's Den. And also, if you're bookish, Featherston is a book town. It's a world-recognised book town because they've got so many fabulous books. Bookshops.
2: Now from Featherston, how close is uh,
1: Martinborough? It's about a 20 minute drive and yeah from Featherston, just surrender to all of those fabulous vineyards sort of wrapped like a patchwork around Martinborough and they've got over 20 boutique wineries within easy reach of the heart of town. In fact most of them you could actually get to by um, bike or on foot. I first of all went to Te Koranga Cellar Door which is home to two of Martinborough's Pioneering Wineries, Tekaranga and Martinborough Vineyard. Uh, They also are now home to Lighthouse Gin. Now, why is it so popular? Well, the cellar door at Tekaranga is situated in this fabulous 130-year-old cottage, and that was formerly owned by Martinborough's namesake, John Martin. Um, So it's just the most amazing place to uh, sample some of Martinborough's Gorgeous Pinot Noirs, uh, and they also do a really nice Syrah Viognier uh, from Martinborough Estate. But Pinot Noir is probably the signature variety in the Martinborough wine region. And, um, yeah, I uh, had a very leisurely lunch, Chris, sampling my way through a few reds. By the way, they've also got um, Lighthouse Gin on site, and they are currently developing some really big plans to – Uh, develop an underground barrel facility and a purpose-built gin distillery for lighthouse gin. So it's just a fabulous location and a great destination. You could spend all day there.
2: And you went wine tasting in other places too. Yeah, I just thought for um, a bit of a
1: contrast, I popped into a place called On Giant's Shoulders and it's very close to the heart of town. This is just a really sweet little vineyard. It's only four hectares um, and uh, Braden and Gabriel Crosby, they bought this block of prime vines about five years ago. Braden has got quite a stellar career and background as a winemaker, but he thought why don't I try my hand at being a wine grower as well? So this couple have delivered the most personable and illuminating vineyard tour by appointment, and then they will introduce you to the fruits of their labor with some really beautifully te- uh, textured Pinot Gris and Chardonnay wines, um, along with uh, the region's flagship Pinot Noir.
2: Now it's not just all wines, is it? Even though I'm feeling very thirsty now. Well, I it was starting to go to my
1: head, Chris. I have to say, even though I was just you know being very very responsible with some little sips in my wine tastings, but I really did feel like a beer. <laughs> so in the heart of town in Martinborough, I went to Martinborough Brewery, which is just a magnificent craft beer uh, setup. up. Uh, Hayden and Stephen, they set up this uh, back in 2015. Uh, it's a purpose-built brewery and uh, you can uh, check out the behind the scenes action on a on a fascinating tour but the premium handcrafted beer is absolutely superb uh, the locals love it as much as visitors uh, if uh, you want a, a a tip from me I would go with the golden ale vintage gold I think it is absolutely superb <laughs>
2: You're with Kiwi Tripsters, and we're wandering our way through the White Apple with Mike on a flavourful, very thirsty roadie, uh, which would be the perfect thing to do, I guess, in the springtime. Mike, let's head to Greytown and talk chocolate, please. Well,
1: there are a lot of temptations in Greytown, but I can't think of Greytown without thinking of shock chocolate. This shop sucks people in like a tractor beam and their tasty morsels tend to be more savoury than sweet. At last count, they've got over eight flavours of chocolate in their range. So you can do your lime chilli chocolate, uh, apricot and rosemary, you could try curry and poppadoms, Chris, I know you like your Indian.
2: Um, curry chocolate? I know. I know, but... The you know, cu- just keep it normal, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> normal well, as they, in traditional chocolate, do yes, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. And rosemary chocolate? A rosemary chocolate? Yes, chilli chocolate. chocolate? That's not right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you
2: want normal
1: and, you know, your your basic chocolate, they do that as well. By the way, later in the year, uh, probably from about October onwards, they'll bring out their seasonal novelty range of Christmas chocolates, and this really is quite something. You'll get chocolates brimming with cranberries, green cherries, mixed spice, um, and they also do the most amazing raw Christmas pudding
2: chocolate, which is truly spectacular. Do you think Greytown is the North Island's answer to, say, Arrowtown? I think they are absolutely like twin
1: towns because of the charm, that Victorian charm of their main streets. Both drop-dead gorgeous. Greytown Town probably feels to me more like the real deal, not just a tourist mecca, um, because it is the only New Zealand town with a fully complete main street of original Victorian buildings. And within those buildings, you've just got so many artisans, boutiques, lots of creative types, um, style hunters all over New Zealand swoon on Greytown because there are so many fashion designers like Lorraine Hall who have relocated from Auckland to set themselves up in Greytown. Now, did you sample James Cameron's produce? Yeah, really interesting place, Forest Food Organics. It has become quite a traffic stopper in recent years. And when you walk in, I think it is that sense of uh, abundance that overwhelms you because Um, virtually everything in this organic plant-based shop is cultivated from the family farm down the road. And it just runs the gamut, you know, everything from organic yoghurt to manuka honey, walnut oil, gluten-free flowers. It's quite amazing. Um, And it's funny, actually, because when James Cameron embarked on this initiative, a lot of locals thought it was just a classic case of rich man's folly, but it really has been um, a runaway success. Now, what about ceramic art? Well, this is the thing about Greytown. There are so many surprises tucked away. I went to a place called Oggi Domani, and I love it. Um, Jo Durkin is in charge of this ceramic art and design studio, and she actually trained uh, in how to uh, make ceramics in Italy under an Italian master in Umbria. And from Greytown, she now creates exceptionally beautiful pieces uh, inspired by traditional Italian design. I wanted to buy up her whole studio. And another must-see in Greytown is this pint-sized Victorian shop which houses Imperial Productions, and they produce hand-painted metal toy soldiers. They export them all over the world, and that, to me, epitomises Greytown. Small, perfectly formed, but just booming and brimming with surprises. I like it. Any other quick picks? Uh, Blackwell and Sons is another Greytown legend. They are the exclusive New Zealand stockist of Pashley bicycles. Um, and when you step inside their store, you will want to pedal your way out on one of these Pashley bikes, complete with Nantucket wire basket and picnic gear. Um, also, independent homewares and giftware stores, as I mentioned before. Very big in Greytown. And um, something which is like just so unique and different in Greytown is a place called Linan. It is a Latvian emporium of fabrics and jewellery and paintings and art pieces. Uh, how very Greytown. A little slice of Latvia in the heart of the Upper.
2: I could use some for my puppet making. You could. Uh, Where's a good place to stay, Mike? Well, I know that um,
1: a couple of months ago on Kiwi Tripsters, when we were talking about historic New Zealand hotels to stay in, we mentioned the White Swan Hotel in Greytown. Um The really interesting development with this hotel in recent months is that Nick and Rosie Rogers bought it. Now, Nick is famous for his marketing prowess with the Tui Brewery. So all of those Tui ads and, you know, how you can do the tour at the Tui Brewery, that is all Nick's work. Uh, So he bought uh, the White Swan Hotel, and recently he headhunted – Uh, one of New Zealand's best chefs, Mark Soper, uh, to head up uh, the kitchen. Mark has fed royalty, he's fed film stars, and now he's um, available for you at the White Swan Hotel. When I was there, I ordered up his fungi pizza. Uh, I'd never had a fungi pizza in my life. Man alive, this thing was amazing. Slathered in Parkvale mushrooms, peanut sauce, roasted pumpkin caramelised onion, fresh pear, walnuts, basil and parmesan. How's that for a pizza? Well I'm
2: hungry again. Coming up we're going to indulge in some armchair travel to Tasmania but next we check out the wild and woolly Wairarapa coastline. You're with Kiwi Tripsters and we are roaming the Waira on this edition. Uh, Mike, for all those seeking some scenic experiences in the region, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, well, I would say the south-watered upper coastline is well worth seeing. It's savage. There's a raw-edged beauty to Cape Palliser, which is the southernmost tip of the North Island. The land and the seas seem to come to, like, serious blows at Cape Palliser. <laughs> uh, so you'll get, like, a big gnarly storm barreling in from the southern ocean. It is quite a spectacle. Winter storms at Palliser Bay are are the stuff of legend, and they can often spill through into September. So if you're looking for a spring road trip, uh, make uh, Cape Palace a part of your plans. But if you prefer the more benign, big blue skies experience, obviously a summer romp around Palliser Bay uh, will serve up um, a wealth of sights. Now, did you head to the Pinnacles? Yeah, the Rua Pinnacles – Um, actually made a starring appearance in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and it's quite a demanding haul up the hillside to reach uh, this natural attraction. They're basically fluted stone pillars. It's like a gigantic outside organ. That's how it looks, uh, but they are stunning. You know, like organ pipes, Mm. um, kind of like Utah in some ways because they are New Zealand's most extensive who do rock formations. When I was there a couple of years ago, there were actually a couple of rings junkies from Holland who were ogling these um, pinnacles, and they were actually ticking off all of the film locations on a Grand New Zealand tour, which just reinforced to me once again how the rings is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, That's when the borders are open, of course. But for now, we've got all of those locations to ourselves. Exactly. Now, what's so special about Ngāwi? Well, I knew nothing about Ngāwi before visiting this village, but it is so distinctive. A rustic little fishing village and... There's like this battalion of bulldozers and tractors lining the shoreline and they are deployed to tow the fishing boats in and out of the ocean. Naui doesn't have a harbour, so they have to use the heavy machinery to get their fishing boats in and out. It's sort of like a seaside dozer convention. Now, if you remember the Lotto Ant with the father on the fishing boat And the sun is on that pirate ship Um, that was shot a few years ago. Well,
2: that was shot in Naui. Well, there you go. Now, there's a very special rock there, isn't it, that's shaped like a massive sail. It's a bit of an attraction in its own right. Absolutely.
1: And I was really enchanted by this coupé sail, a humongous slab of tilting sandstone rock thrust up by an earthquake. Coupé the Explorer apparently rested here when he was discovering New Zealand or Aotearoa. And the story goes that Kupé challenged his mate to see who could complete a canoe sail first. And they strung their sails up on the cliffs and the rock is shaped like a massive sail. Isn't that a cool story? It is cool. Uh, Palliser Bay, by the way, is one of the oldest inhabited regions for Māori. And just out of Ngāwi, you can see the remains of these ancient stone walls that early Māori built – in the ridge lines uh, to protect the kumara gardens now those walls have been carbon dated to the
2: 1300s wow now tell us about the cape
1: palace lighthouse This is such a cool landmark. It's sort of candy-striped. It offers up the most spectacular coastal panoramas. After you have managed to haul your carcass up 258 wooden steps, it felt like hell, but it's the stairway to heaven. The views reach right across to the Kaikoura Ranges. I was there um, in late winter, um, and you can see the snowcaps of the Kaikouras. Just amazing. And they actually looked as if you could touch them because of the magnification of the clear day that I was there. I was gazing at um, those ranges for a very long time. Um, There's the collision of the marine blues of the Cook Strait in the Pacific, and you will notice all of the lava rock stacks piled up around the shoreline by Cape Palliser Lighthouse. They have been gushing out from a network of underground volcanoes, Looking just off the coast from Cape Palliser, must be spectacular to yeah. see. What about um the Lake Fury? Yeah, this um is a really sweet little spot close to Cape Palliser, <clears throat> and the century-old Lake Fury Hotel is just. Beloved by the locals of the Whited Upper. Um, a lot of locals will tell you this is the place to go for the best fish and chips anywhere in the world because the fish is so fresh, it is virtually still flapping. Absolutely the catch of the day. Uh, and the lake mouth of Lake Ferry actually empties into Cook Strait. So it's a really cool setting. And it's just another unmissable stop along the way <clears throat> on a jaunt around the Whited Upper.
2: You are with Kiwi Tripsters, and as the debate continues about whether or not to open up our borders to the likes of uh, our our neighbours in Australia, Tasmania is a top contender, along with South Australia when it comes to the Aussie states. Now, is Tassie... Well, it's a bit underrated as a travel destination, Mike, and from what I can tell. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm not sure,
1: Chris, but I remember a few weeks ago when Winston Peters started to say, look, you know, COVID-free Tasmania would be an ideal candidate uh, to have a travel bubble with New Zealand. A lot of people said, who would want to go to Tasmania? I've been there a couple of times. I love it, and I think it is... um, well worth checking out. It's about half the size of the North Island, but they've got so much packed into their little apple island, as they call it. Very scenic, very drivable. The thing that really strikes you about Tasmania is its history is tinged with so much tragedy. Uh, The brutality of the convict settlements, that massacre of tourists at Port Arthur, And of course, the recent life and death drama at the Beaconsfield Mine. So yeah, a lot of drama is what Tasmania has seen, but it's an amazing place to visit. Wildly popular if you're into your
2: outdoorsy sort of stuff. And the locals are really down to earth, which is always helpful. Now, uh, let's uh, look out at your standout points, if you like. And Hmm. one would be Launceston.
1: Launceston, yeah. Yeah. Right up the top uh, of Tasmania, the locals nickname the town Lonnie, um, and it's very much the northern gateway to Tasmania. A pocket-sized town, really, but it's got a swag of grand old stone buildings, a fantastic waterfront precinct, and the top drawer is Cataract Gorge, which is a spectacular natural feature just minutes from the heart of town. And an hour from Lonnie, you can explore some fabulous cool climate wines of the Tamar Valley and also visit the Beaconsfield Mine. Now, is that worth a bit of a look? Yeah, I went there and I actually really enjoyed it. They've got lots of um, heritage exhibits from the gold mining heyday at Beaconsfield, but um, I also enjoyed uh, the superb display about that 2006 mine rescue. Uh, And... One of the things that captured a lot of media attention at the time was this two kilometre long scarf that had been knitted by the community uh, of Beaconsfield as a good luck charm for the trapped miners. And that's on display at um, the Mine Center. That's cool. I
2: think I remember that actually. Mm. Gee, was it that long ago now, 2006? Amazing. Eh? Um, by the way, what makes Cradle Mountain so spectacular? It is quite
1: whimsical. This beautifully shaped mountain is curved like the slither of a new moon. And it is Tasmania's iconic landmark, really. Nestled below the mountain is a lake called Dove Lake, so you get the most sublime reflections of Cradle Mountain in the water. It actually reminded me a bit of Lake Matheson's Mirror Magic as well. It's a ravishing setting and the ancient rainforest is uh, ideal for terrific bushwalks and there's a bucket load of wildlife. I have never seen so many wombats in my life than at Cradle Mountain. (laughs) Now tell us about the Bay of Fires. Yeah, quite dramatic. Um, stretching along the east coast of Tasmania, there are dozens and dozens of just drop-dead gorgeous beaches, you know, powdered white sand, crystal clear water, and then these big, gnarly red granite boulders uh, tossed along the shoreline. Not dissimilar to Moraki boulders, but they're Ooh. just fiery red in colour, hence the name Bay of, Fire, uh, Bay of Fires. The pick of the bunch in my book when it comes to the beaches and the bays is Binelong Bay, which is surreal. I have never seen anything anywhere in the world quite
2: like it. Okay. Now, you would also highly recommend Wineglass Bay. Indeed. Um, And it's not because there's lots of vineyards there.
1: There's none. But it is shaped like a wine glass, hence its name. So just a bit further down the coast from Bay of Fires, Wineglass Bay is this perfectly formed semicircular bay very remote, very romantic, and the bay is home to lots and lots of splashy, playful dolphins. Really well worth nice. seeing. Nice. Now, what are the top sites for the likes of Hobart? Well, I actually think there are some similarities between Hobart and Dunedin, maybe even Hobart and a smaller Wellington. Um, so yeah, very much a harbour-based city. Got they've got the most fabulous arty and foodie scene. The Salamanca markets are just loved by Australians. Uh, the seafood restaurants and the old waterfront precinct are superb. You can tour Australia's oldest operating brewery in Hobart, Cascade, which has been producing premium lager since 1824. Um, and if you want to check out um, uh, some great panoramas of the Harbour City, go up um, to Mount Wellington Lookout. And then, of course, the art, the provocative, confronting eccentric art at MoMA, which is just a knockout place, Um, and a short drive from Hobart if you do want to check out the haunting heritage of one of Australia's oldest convict
2: settlements, Port Arthur, not far away. Fingers crossed for that travel bubble, eh? Now listen, be sure to like us on our Facebook page, and our show notes will be available on the website at Tripsters.co.nz. Plus, we'd love you to rate us and review Kiwi Tripsters on your podcast service of your choice. And we hope to catch you in a, uh, in a couple of weeks'
1: time when we will be doing a big profile on everything you must do and see in Christchurch. See you then. And that's a wrap for this episode
0: of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to?